Thank you for joining Talking About You with Estra, where you can find information on auto insurance, employer and ERISA policies, short and long-term disability, personal injury claims, surveillance, and much, much more. This is your Car Accident Radio Channel. Talking About You with Estra's radio show welcomes you. Call the show today at 718 718- Seven six six four three eight five. with your questions, comments, or car accident experiences. I'm listening to what you have to say about your journey. And you never need to travel this path alone. You can read, watch, or listen with me at any time. Employee benefit packages provided by employers are increasingly under ERISA legislation passed by Congress. The latest act was passed in 1974, and frankly, in my opinion, it's time for an overhaul of this legislation. Employees have few rights regarding the long-term disability insurance, and employers place far too many escape clauses in the contract. What changes should Congress make to this legislation? Employer, employee, ERISA, Congress, and State Office of Insurance Commissioners all participate in the outcomes for policyholders. Let's talk about each of these functions. Thank you for joining me, Astra, today for Employer, Employee, and ERISA from Seattle, Washington, USA. Understanding the roles and functions of employers, employees, ERISA, Congress, and State Insurance Commissioners reinforces the actions and behaviors policyholders experience through disability process. If employers' contracts with employees include escape clauses, laws passed by Congress which favor employers, and state insurance commissioners' powers to enforce fair and equitable claims is bypassed due to federal legislation, this creates gaps and protections needed by employees. ERISA was initially designed with employee protections in mind. Since our country now leans more towards big business, workers being paid less than a minimum living wage, a middle class that no longer receives fair benefits from their employers based on corporate earnings, which they helped to create, leaving majority of workforce scrambling for their daily bread, means ERISA now, too, has its shortfalls. The number of food kitchens in America has been growing in past decades, with far too many people thinking it will not happen to them. Imagine how different the lives of so many citizens would be right now if they had taken time to vote, really look at the issues for themselves, and be interested in the true content of political characters instead of the flash and awe of money and power. Frankly, I wonder if more people are concerned with the respect and dignity of others How many of those seeking ill-gotten gains would be stopped in their tracks? Which takes me to the reason for the creation of ERISA, which was to ensure employees receive employer group benefits in ways that protected workers. As with group benefit packages, the protections employers receive are lax laws for bearing the burden of being self-insured. This allows employers to also become your insurance company. As time has passed and amendments made to this legislation slanted in favor of employers, the rights of employees for which this act was initially passed has gone by the wayside. Employer safeguards have been disarmed and they face few repercussions for neglect or bad actions against employees. 
The bar has been set too high for employees to fight for their rights due to the high entry legal costs, not to mention the relationships already created by these conglomerates inside their prospective communities. Money talks, sings, dance, and unfortunately, just about anything else in our society today. How did ERISA head down the wrong path? How has employees been left out of a process that was designed to help them receive fair and equitable employer benefits? And now, with the Congress seeking more ways to give employers increased power, which is some causes of the abuse against employees, how can poor and middle-class citizens turn this around? The same way corporate America has built their empires, by knowledge and action. With busy lives, it's easy to put off learning about an issue until necessary. But fundamental information about how this process works allows individuals to chart a destiny of prevention and protection against unseen experiences of disability. Most people feel empowered and regard life to be in their hands. Unfortunately, this does not always apply. Some controls are not in our hands, such as being involved in a car accident, yet people who face these circumstances can be placed in a better position by all citizens, let me repeat that, by all citizens recognizing, first of all, this could be them, and second, help to put fair and equitable support in place when tragedy strikes an employee. Let's break this down by the roles and functions of employers, employees, ERISA, Congress, and the State Insurance Commissioner. Today, employers have learned that by becoming self-insured, meaning being employees' insurance companies, it offers advantages. First, if employees are not sick or injured, they are able to keep those premiums and not pay them out. Therefore, over time, healthier employees mean more money for employers to keep. But is this true? Do self-insured employers create an atmosphere of using the employer benefits as it could be harmful to your job, that it hurts the company if you're sick or injured? Do employers reduce benefits if too many employees use them? Not to mention this affords them to learn more about your personal life. Should they be able to decide aspects of your care? Insurance companies today decide what will and will not be paid. In fact, is this a good thing when companies that profit are the same ones to decide if you receive care? Can employers be trusted to put the interest of employees' welfare before profits? Employers are not required by law to participate in employer benefit packages. Initially, this started out as a way to draw the best workers, but now many can get employees at discounted wages and benefits. Why keep these packages around when it's at their discretion? They can raise the prices of care and pocket more wealth. When able to control benefit packages in the employer's hands, this leaves employees vulnerable and at the mercy of employers who can make decisions without regard to the need of employees. Do most employers handle their benefit packages this way? One way to know is if they were required by law to provide demographics as to whom benefits are paid by age, gender, class, exempt and non-exempt, and executive employees. In this way, a true reflection on how self-insured employers pay out claims would be seen. 
and could be evaluated. Employees could also see if who they were working for displayed good or bad faith insurance practices. Furthermore, if employers required employees to apply for Social Security disability insurance, and this reduces the amount they pay out to employees, then the same rules should apply to their portion of long-term disability. What is good for the goose is also good for the gander. In other words, employers under ERISA should not be able to change the rules when it's to their advantage. If they don't believe in the qualifications of SSDI, which is Social Security, then they should pay out the full cost of their long-term disability policies. This, of course, would be fair to their employees. Employees being able to afford daily living expenses by receiving both their SSDI and their employer long-term disability would change lives. Isn't this how they treat executives? Don't most of them come out being able to survive off the benefits provided by these corporations? Is it only the poor and middle class with fewer resources that are treated differently? Why? Because government officials have given corporations the upper hand instead of an equal one. Only by revoking legislation which created this unequal footing can employees expect fair and equitable opportunities to receive employer benefits upon filing a claim. Employer contracts have clauses which often eliminate claims in order to allow them to choose whom they will pay benefits to and whom they won't. Some will use surveillance tactics to intimidate and harass employees to scare them into giving up upon the request for benefits. When indefinite bullying tactics are used against employees with few resources to fight back, it sets the stage for corporations to use this technique to put money belonging to employees back into employer pockets. Leaving employees and their families without the financial safety net promised. Some actions by employers may not be on the up and up with employees. Many employees are open with employers because of working as a team with similar objectives. However, when it comes to employer benefits, they have something to lose. And the employee, from their perspective, has something to gain. Most employees do not recognize this in these instances. They may not be used to having to be on the opposite side of their employer. In fact, some employers may already have a standard strategy in place not to pay out benefits. In my opinion, when the same people who manage the money get to make the decision whether to pay an employee, this is a conflict of interest and is a problem. Most employers have an in-house legal team which function to protect them against claims. This includes those by employees who seek employer benefits. Employers also have contacts within their prospective communities which can assist them with the goals of reducing or eliminating claims. Many of these corporations work with attorneys, public agencies, IRS, police, government officials, and well-known citizens in the community. Therefore, both their financial and community resources typically extend those of their employees. When afforded this much accessibility, employees can have an uphill battle for receipt of employer benefits. It's time to pull back the covers on employer benefit practices and see the impact on the thousands of employees trapped in poverty because of ERISA legislation which keeps them there. Employees should not be on the outside when they are the main reason for the claim. Any contacts made regarding an employee 
by an employer should also be provided to the injured worker. One of the main questions employees should be concerned with before accepting a position is the ratio of employees denied benefits after filing a claim. When injured or sick, it's not a good time to find out about the character of a company you work for and how they typically treat employees. In life, there are no guarantees, and as adults, most of us realize this to be true. This doesn't mean we should not do all we can to be informed workers and find companies that provide fair assessments for benefit claims. Just because you are invested in an employer, it doesn't mean they are invested in you. You cannot make the assumption that an employer will pay out benefits to you if injured in a car accident. Trusting employer benefits will be there on a rainy day may indeed make for a hailstorm in the future because it may not be there. Most employers prefer group insurance plans because it provides them with advantages allowing employees few options to dispute their claims other than in federal court along with a cost at minimum of five to ten thousand dollars. Does this sound like an option for employees who typically live from paycheck to paycheck? Yes, most depend on systems that no longer work for employees. While employees were holding down the fort, so to speak, for their employers, employers were developing lobbyists to further their agendas of less payouts and more profits. And guess what? It worked. They currently do have the upper hand. Just as employees decided a living minimum wage is $15 an hour and began standing up for justice, this is also true in order to turn back employer benefit rights so that employees stop living in poverty and receive full benefits. The war on employees has been going on for decades. First wages have been stagnated, benefits have been constantly decreasing with higher co-pays and insurance premiums, and employers have used their power and influence to escape the payout of benefit claims. Employees have suffered for far too long on many levels and under the disguise of fair employment. While executive pay and benefits far exceed anything average employees receive in these companies, frankly, it's been a beat down for employees, threatening them to offshore their jobs, which has actually been done, and silenced many by harassment and intimidation in order to hold on to the few positions still available. American employees must go back to developing individual dreams and fight to keep them alive since the monopolies of today will fight to take them down. Citizens must again realize that big doesn't mean best and find small businesses who are able to supply excellent products. When employees realize the true value of their work and demand what they deserve, things will change. This includes being able to receive claims from employer benefits. The rise of unions happened because as individuals the struggle to equality is difficult. But as a body unionized and voting, employees are a power to be reckoned with on every level. Insured civil rights legislation can be passed, along with fair wages and a myriad of needs the U.S. is facing. Fear cannot be an option for employees. Otherwise, we are facing a new level of slavery where all poor and middle class are included. 
It's a class problem. It's about voting for people who do what they say and what is right for you. Don't wait until a car accident happens, which adds another problem to a long list facing most people today in America. Employer benefit packages should support employees, as promised, after an unfortunate event. It should not be a dangling carrot which is retracted after a collision. Who can do this? We can by our votes. We can do this by contacting Congress and telling them these simple words, I support insured civil rights legislation, which protects policyholders. That's it. Why would individual policies be treated any different than group plans? Why should employers be able to get away with not paying on group plans but have consequences on individual ones? One reason. Most poor and middle workers are on group plans while wealthy hold individual ones. Both plans should be treated equally, providing protections and safety nets for everyone. Group plans may be cheaper for employees, but if they don't pay out, what are they worth? Nothing to a disabled person. Has corporate America exceeded levels of greed at the expense of workers who give them so much? Personally, I think so. ERISA was initially designed to protect the interests of employees. Obviously, our government thought without protections in place, employees may become victimized by employers and receive benefits improperly. And guess what? In my opinion, it does. Although since its inception, amendments have been approved by Congress. But as said before, this legislation is leaning for corporations and not employees. In fact, because of the way ERISA legislation is currently written, employers can benefit from employees' benefits without worry of reprisal. Being a self-insured employer under ERISA means employers decide who will and who will not receive benefits under the cover of an insurance company that carries out their request, which also provides them with more information about employees, which frankly opens this door even more with company health fairs. When employers control wages, career paths, health, life, and disability insurance, this provides them with excessive power over the lives of their workers. ERISA for self-insured employers must change. The Department of Labor tracks the volumes of claims by self-insured ERISA employers. An investigation on how employee benefits have been denied by employers needs to be done by the Department of Labor. How many of their employees have been denied claims? or terminated benefits at strategically available times means taking advantage of clauses placed in their benefit packages. How are these claim denials broken out by gender, race, class, exemption, non-exemption, and executives? Has the Department of Labor contacted employees to get their input? What kind of investigation and audit controls are in use to protect employees under ERISA legislation? And more importantly, what is the role of the Department of Labor in protecting employee benefits? Congress receives updates on how well ERISA legislation is functioning for employees through the Department of Labor. Are they paying attention to the thousand employees living life out in poverty because of the actions of allowing employers to get out of paying full benefits? Have they taken into account using unfair restrictions in their policies to avoid paying out employees? Is the way Congress designed ERISA really working? And are they protecting big business or small workers 
who depend on them. Currently, ERISA is under federal legislation. Isn't it odd anything Wall Street wants to control is placed in the hands of federal government? Would more decision-making be handled better through state insurance commissioner? Or is this due to the federal government being able to handle the vast wealth of these conglomerates fighting against paying the claims of employees? Are these Wall Street companies too big to fail because of keeping Main Street money? Will justice prevail by ensuring all employees have access to employer benefits as promised? Wondering why nothing hardly gets done in Congress unless close to elections, and those actions tend to be small in efforts? Are there too many alliances to Wall Street money than employee voters? Why? Is this because citizens don't vote and money talks, walks, sings, and dances? More importantly, this money is used to silence voters, discourage, take away voting booths and times, especially in communities of color. It boils down to how much you really know about the person you're putting into political office at state, local, and federal levels. Are their actions superficial? Do they do and say what they promise? You have the power to change things that are going on that is not your preference. Your vote does change things. The more people who choose to vote and candidates who will support insured civil rights legislation and help reform ERISA allows policyholders the benefits that they deserve. Bring awareness of your experiences with employer benefit packages. It's important. Did you receive any benefits? How long did it last? Were you intimidated out of your benefits? Did you contact police but found them unwilling to help you? Did you contact the Department of Labor to let them know about how your company has handled your claim? Yes, there is much we can do to make life better for people injured in car accidents. Take the first simple step by contacting your congressperson today and say these simple words. I support insured civil rights legislation. Yes, that's just how simple it is. Call 202-224-3121 and they will direct you to your congressperson. And all you need to tell them is, I support insured civil rights legislation. It's just that simple. Continue to listen with me, Estra, for future updates and actions which will help Congress understand the consequences of current ERISA legislation. And it's time for real reform, not for more corporate profits, but employee survival. It is up to us to bring forth change, and this requires us to continue to stand for insured civil rights protections for policyholders. Always remember there are hundreds of Estra brand car accident information and support tools at your disposal, and many of them are free to use. Select Estra's car accident playlist out on YouTube, which contains 11 free videos to show many of the experiences that can be encountered after a collision. Taking on unfair practices of major corporations can make it difficult for policyholders to access legitimate links. Therefore, do not hesitate to type in the link yourself online. For example, if you go out to YouTube, you used to be able to type Estra, and all of the links would come up. Now, harassers have added many new Estras out there, and some of the links are now buried. So make sure to type in Estra's Car Accident or Estra Seattle to find legitimate links. 
tools are important in being able to work through the process of getting through a collision. And my book, Car Accident by Estra, shares those personal experiences of being involved in several collisions. And it provides helpful insights into by-stepping pitfalls most injured often don't think about until they've been taken advantage of. So this is a must-read book. You'll also find the 215 Car Accident Calendar Daily Quotes, and it's available for support and encouragement. It's a great as a gift or personal use. The 215 Car Accident Weekly Planner for an organized approach to documenting your collision is available all year round. So make sure to stop by my official car accident site for additional information. Each and every program, I want you to know that your car accident concerns matter. I, Esther, personally realize outcomes depend on knowledge. You can read, listen, or watch topics, which will help you make more informed decisions. And you are always welcome at legitimate Estra site. Thank you for listening today, because it is only with your continued knowledge about the insurance industry, self-insured employer insurance programs, long-term disability, can we make a difference in creating insured civil rights laws and legislations which can make this more fair and equitable for policyholders. I also want to thank Audacity, InternetArchives.org, and the song Midnight Run by OK. Only with your support can we demonstrate the experiences of people involved in traffic collisions. So be sure to take three minutes and tell us about how you've been affected. Let's meet back here next Monday, which is our new day and our new time at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. No matter what you're going through, keep your head up and never give up.